Welcome to Families Matter Workshop. I'm Dr. Christine Turner. And I'm her daughter, Allison Jones. And we come from a family of dysfunction. This is a podcast for all families. Join us as we discuss family dynamics and provide tools we discovered and used to heal dysfunction in our own family. All it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. And if we can heal, so can you. This is Families Matter Workshop. Last week on Families Matter Workshop, we gave an overview of communication. This week, we're going to dive deeper into communication beliefs. Yeah, and I just want to start off that a lot of this information comes from some of the teachings of Virginia Satir, S-A-T-I-R. I learned about her work in family dynamics in my doctorate um, in spiritual direction. And so I just want to give credit because the concepts uh, are something that she pioneered and taught back in the 80s. So last week, we kind of touched on this, but we like to say that communication is to relationships what breathing is to life. And you cannot have a healthy relationship without healthy communication. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because, you know, our family is a pretty good communicators. We're very verbal. We can have good conversations, interesting conversations. And if you think about like being able to get your thoughts across as communication, then we probably get an A plus. But I don't know that that's actually what communication is. I think communication is a back and forth ability to uh, relay your ideas or relay your needs but you also need to be able to listen and hear the other side of it. Yeah. And I think even to go further, not only to listen and hear, but to be able to say back to another person, what you heard them say, like if we're in an argument and I can't tell you your side and put it in my own words and say, this is what you just said, then we haven't had communication or comprehension or comprehension. Yeah. Yeah. And I know sometimes like when I'm arguing, I'm not listening. I'm, I'm getting my next statement ready to win the next sentence rather than actually like hearing what you have to say. Right. And so, you know, what, what is good communication? Well, what, what do we want in our families for that? I think communication is derived from the necessity of advocating for yourself and advocating for your own thoughts and feelings. Um, But you need to be able to put a name to those thoughts and feelings in order to be an effective communicator. And advocate kind of just means like to be able to stick up for yourself, to be able to say like, I need this, or I want this, or this wasn't okay. Right. And we're talking about communication in the frame of relationships, right? So we're talking about thoughts, feelings, and actions as it pertains to family dynamics and the dynamics of your relationship, not necessarily like being able to communicate, writing an essay. Right, exactly. And I, I do think too, that when it comes to family dynamics, you know, what, what we're talking about here is this give and take, but we also have to recognize that we want the wisdom to know, like, there's family members that we don't really go through this process with. I had like a particular uncle who's passed away that who is called crazy uncle Roger. And I wouldn't engage in this process with him because he wasn't balanced enough to go through this. And, and I also didn't, care enough to to want to have a close connection. So not every family member, I guess, um, is worthy of this process. Maybe they're going to be more superficial relationships in some family dynamics. So this process that you're talking about is identifying and analyzing your own communication beliefs. Yeah. And so, you know, Virginia Satara kind of taught that there's four, that we all kind of go through four different stances or positions or default ways of relating to our family members. And, and the first one, which is my number one way that I operate and communicate in, in all my relationships is people pleasing, pacifying, 
Um, wanting peace at all costs. Yeah, wanting peace at all costs. So my position, whenever I go into any kind of forum, even within my family or even school or work, is how can I make everybody happy? And so I'm going to be looking at, at the communication, not necessarily saying truthful things, but to be like, what can I do to give you the feeling that you're going to be happy with me at the end of this interaction? And why do you think that being a pacifier is dysfunctional? Well, a couple of reasons. One is because you're not really loving people. Because if you look at love through that lens of what doing and responding and behaving and acting on behalf of a loved one for their highest good, letting somebody always have their way because you just want to have peace, that's not really loving them. Right. And, and it's not t- training them, you know, for the future or how to get along with other people outside the family, because the world's certainly not going to roll out the red carpet for this person in your family that you're just keeping the peace with. So one, it's not loving. So why do you think you became a pacifier? Oh, I know for sure that is that I, I had so much turmoil growing up in my family that I wanted a peaceful environment. And the other thing is I experienced so much rejection. Um, as a kid, so much bullying and, and being kind of the outcast that I wanted people to like me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of learned how to like read people and play people and manipulate people to get them to like me. And that wasn't really an authentic relationship. And it wasn't being truthful. I think God only really honors truth. You know, I mean, right. God cannot lie. Truth out of love. Truth out of love. And so I would, I didn't speak the truth in love. I just spoke whatever you wanted to hear. Right. And I think that that is the foundation of a lot of these dysfunctional communication stances. You know, some of the other ones like blaming, blaming is another form of um, like wanting to be right. Right. Um, And maybe a way to protect yourself. So where you have a pacifier, someone who wants peace at all costs, they're doing that to protect themselves because they don't want to deal with the turmoil. Blaming is, kind of in that same ballpark because, well, I'm going to shift the blame to you so that it's not on me as a way to protect myself. Right. I mean, they're all, they're all based on protecting, you know, like I have to protect myself from any rejection. So I'm going to please everybody. The blamer is going to say, well, I'm going to make sure that, that you're wrong and I'm right. So I won't, so I can protect myself. So I can look good. So I can look good or I can protect myself from maybe you're punished in some homes. And, and I want to point out that usually with these stances that we're talking about, these positions is like, there'll be a pacifier in the family. There'll be a blamer in the family. There's going to be even somebody that might be super logical in the family. That's just like just the facts, Jack, and they avoid the emotion of what's going on. And so that person has a lot of power and they kind of like rise above it all, but they're not going to really have effective communication because they're kind of belittling and condescending a little bit. Yeah. They know that they can win the argument through logic and that whoever they're arguing with or communicating with may not uh, have those skills. Right. And so that in and of itself feels like someone is being condescending. Right. So, and then the logical person also kind of um, gets to rise above it all and they get to discount your emotions. And like, I like my husband, he's a very logical person. And so I, on one hand, I can kind of be impulsive and I need his logic, but when it comes to actually communicating, you know, you get this super emotional, passive pleasing person and this super logical, you know, we had to really struggle through uh, this process. In fact, we were just saying like, you know, we're pretty good at this now. And we we're, we're saying, how did we get here? How did we yeah, get so here? So as preparing for this podcast, you know, 
we sit here and we talk about communication beliefs we have and how they have changed over time. And I was definitely a, a blamer. Right. Um, that is my coping belief because I feel like if I win the argument, then I get val- value. And if I lose the argument, then I'm losing value. And we talked about, you know, maybe where did that stem from was growing up with a lot of sibling rivalry. Yeah. I'm, I think if you've listened to any of these before, you know, me being the the people pleaser that I was, I was kind of like the puppet and the kids were the puppet masters pulling the strings. And so my husband's gone a lot. I'm a, kind of a single mom 50% of the time. And I'm a, a because form- he's a pilot because he's a pilot. And, and so I'm kind of this, um, trying to kind of figure out in my family how I would do it in the classroom. So in the classroom, the teacher would say, you tell me your side, and then you tell me your side. And in the classroom, a lot of times I would say, who are there any witnesses, (laughs) you know, like, who, you know, did he say this, you know, did he really call you this bad name? And and what did he do? So you kind of get these witnesses, well, I didn't have any witnesses, I just had the two of you. And so I would like hear one person's side, and then I'd hear the other person's side, so I could kind of bring peace at all costs. You know, instead of just saying, you guys are fighting, you figure it out. You, and then I would kind of rule on the side, one side or the other. And this was very damaging. Uh, especially because someone who internalized this blaming, um, anytime that I was punished and my brother was seen as right, it felt like a personal attack. Like mom didn't like me or mom didn't love me as much as she loved him because she was siding with him. So someone whose core beliefs are rooted in this idea that, I have to be right in order to have value damage, not only my relationship with my brother, but probably my relationship with you until he was out of the house right. um, in college. Right. And, and we haven't really, we didn't really get to restore relationships between the two of you until you guys were away from me really yeah, as adults, really. Yeah. As adults. And, and, uh, and also like coming to the point where I wasn't pacifying. I remember one time saying to you guys, when we were probably older teenagers is go, you know, you guys, are responsible for your relationship. Either you're going to like each other or you're going to hate each other for the rest of your lives. You know, you're going to have to figure this out because I'm, I can't make you guys friends. But at that point it was almost like a little bit too late because, yes, uh, because we had already established this dynamic of it's wrong to lose, right? It's wrong to lose. And, and whoever has mom on this, on their side has more love, right? Is what it felt like. Um, and it's funny because both of us as adults view the other person as mom's favorite. Yeah. So I think that he's mom's favorite and he thinks that I'm mom's favorite. And you're both my favorite. Just like God with, I think of it as like God, like I'm God's favorite, but you're God's favorite. Like when you have a second child, you're like, oh no, I love you both, you know, so much, but, and it's hard to repair uh, a relationship that is so heavily rooted in blaming because people who use blaming as a way to communicate often find it hard to give grace and find compassion. Right. And that's because I think that you're, you're, we're, we're so hard on ourselves. And so, you know, we work really hard to like, I have to be right. I have to promote myself. I have to protect myself at all costs, you know, especially when you're in the king, the world's a hard place. If you're in the kingdom of that, of the world, you know, you know that if you don't take care of number one, no one else is kind of right. thing. That's that, that's the truth of the world. World. And so all of a sudden to be able to have this mind transfer where you're saying, I want to be truthful in my relationships is really kind of a supernatural change or desire. What happened with you? Yeah. So how did I get out of this? Because I consider myself a very effective communicator now. 
um, but it did take a lot of work in which I had to take accountability for my relationships. So I kind of did an inventory of all of my relationships, you know, past relationships, present relationships, and saw where I had gone wrong. If there was any sort of dysfunction within our relationship, I went through the process of taking accountability for my wrong wrongdoings, holding myself accountable to fix it. So a lot of my relationships where there was this dysfunction stem from um, a place of like deep insecurity and feeling almost like a victim, like other people had done me wrong. I had to change that mindset and realize that, you know, I did play a part in this dynamic, holding myself accountable for that made me kind of step out of this mindset of putting blame on other people and looking at myself and saying, well, where am I to blame? Right. And I mean, I I do think that I I did this. It's funny that you said that I was thinking back to like, I went through a similar process where I took an inventory and I just kind of went and said, these are, this is what I did to people. This is my part of it. Maybe it was a 20% part, my part, you know, or 90% my part. You still had a part. And that's, that's something that this inventory like really stressed was that you can't sit there and, and weigh out and say, well, this person is mostly to blame because that's not effective. Right. You really just have to own your part 100%. And you're really kind of going through the the process of truth, really, is what you're saying is like, I'm willing to tell myself the truth of my part. You know, I can't change anybody else's part, but I can own my part. And if we own our part, then we have the the power to change, but we don't have the power. God doesn't honor lies. And so if we're lying to ourselves then we don't have the power to change. And a lot of my relationships got better once I did that, because then I could go into a disagreement or an argument. And like, especially with my husband, we're both very much blamers. And when we get stuck in that cycle, well, you did this and you did this, especially like when you introduce a new family member, like having a child, it's very easy to sit there and take stock of like, who did what? And and who's, who's the most exhausted and why? Right. (laughs) And blame the other person for not, you know, stepping up or I had to change this many diapers. Well, I had to change this many diapers. And when you get into that cyclical blame cycle, you're not able to effectively communicate your needs, your wants, your desires, and what has to happen in order for the family to be successful. So stepping back and saying, you know, I'm really sorry that I did X, Y, and Z and taking accountability for that allows the other person, especially someone who's a blamer, to say, oh, okay, well, they're not going to blame me. So their defenses come down and then they're able to communicate maybe their part too. And so what I think I'm hearing you say is that, that there has to be this objectivity in order to have communication where you're saying, I'm willing to see my part and I'm willing to own my part. Right. And that ownership part is a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. It is, it is, it is, especially if, um, you know, in your family, it wasn't okay to make mistakes. It wasn't okay to say I blew it, you know, and, and in family dynamics, once a person, um, I think people recognize truth. And so when you're able to say like, I blew it, and I'm sorry, and um, this is my part. And when somebody hears you honestly owning your part, it puts the wall down where so now somebody else can be vulnerable enough to tell the truth back to you. Right. And it repairs Do relationships. Do you think that that exists in um, a placator? It's interesting because I think a placator, their thing is that they're a liar in a different way. What do you mean? In a placator, they're not going to really tell you what you need to hear. 
Okay. Instead, they're going to tell you what you want to hear, which isn't always the truth, which isn't the truth. And so you're lying to that person and, and you're lying to keep the peace. And like uh, a placator will apologize when it's not their fault. Right. So if you have a blamer and a placator, then the blamer is always going to win. That's going to be a really, uh, it's going to feel like a really good relationship. Placator is going to be lying to the blamer. They're going to be telling them lies like you're good. You're right. You're awesome. And it's not going to be true. But how does that, how is that going to make you feel as the placator? Well, you're going to have your peace at all costs. And so you're, you're lying to yourself in a way because you're putting this false reality over it. There's things that you're unwilling to see. And you're, so you're lying to yourself about what's really going on and you're lying to the other person. And of course, this is a real big uh, dynamic when you have somebody that struggles with addiction, this is going to happen in codependency. Lead to enabling. Yeah. But I also think that at some point, the person who's doing the placating is going to reach a breaking point and they're just going to explode. Or implode. Well, that's interesting because our next our next session, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the actual um, behaviors or choices of unhealthy communication and how they manifest. And that that's going to go, you know, into stuffing is what you're talking about, and then blowing it. And that's a big part of the the placating uh, defense mechanism and why you know what comes out is sin. You know, there's the lying, which is the heart sin. And then there's the action sin kind of thing that happens. The root of pacifying is the word pacifier. And why do you give a baby a pacifier to shut the baby up? And so that's kind of what uh, a pacifying person does is they're just going to give you the lollipop, like have your way. So we've been talking a lot about the pacifying person and the blaming person, but there's two other communication beliefs. One is the logical communication belief and one is the distracted avoidance. The logical communicator is going to use logic and disregard emotion. Another way that this logical stance is seen is in business models where you'll find out that a corporation maybe knew that a product is defective, but rather than owning it, they say the cost of the lawsuit is too expensive for the harm done to the person. And so that logically, they're going to go ahead and kind of say, like, we're going to take the hit of a lawsuit. And so this stance can be in families and an individual, but it's also like a corporate, a corporate stance sometimes where there's abuse or dysfunction that happens. So it's like, let's minimize the problem for the greater good of right. and the if, relationship. And if there's any people who have like been me, like me, who have had abuse in their family, the logic of the family says, well, we don't want the hit of, you know, the family dealing with the fallout, from the this. fallout of this. So logically, we're going to minimize this. And we're going to kind of put it on the back burner, because we don't want the fallout. And that is also, and that might be where the whole family comes into conspiracy to not ever talk about this issue, because they're in this logical stance. Right. Um, and our fourth and final communication belief is the distracted avoidance. And this is this, I would say the smallest percentage of people have this communication right. belief. Um, but it is, I think everybody can go there. I like to think of it as someone who um, will go on tangents. Have you ever had a teacher where you knew that if you just asked the right question that that teacher would go off on a tangent and next thing you know, class would be over and you didn't have to really do anything that day. Yeah. If you could get them off topic, right. You could go like, Oh, you know, he's on world war two and we're just going to hear stories about when he was in the war. Of course, I'm showing my age right now. 
but it's the same thing um, when you're trying to have a meaningful conversation with someone who's distracted, avoidant, is that they will go in circles around the problem without actually discussing and getting a solution to the root of the problem. Yeah. And I, and also I think that they can be silly, like the person who cracks jokes, who minimizes it. I know your dad can kind of crack a joke in the middle of a real serious conversation and, and it breaks the tension on one hand, but at the other hand, it's like, you kind of have to go, no, 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 sweetheart. We're not going to, you know, distract with humor. And we've all seen like the little four-year-old where you're trying to like have a serious conversation about behavior and they like put their hands in their ears and stick their tongue out and act all silly because they're trying to distract you from, you know, a reprimand. And avoid the reprimand. Yeah. Yeah. We use all these stances. It's not like you're only one, but in family dynamics, there tends to be people that are in a particular position that they're going to assume or, or communicate from. Right. And I think, you know, underneath the dysfunction of all of this is that, you know, communication can be scary. It can be painful. It can be hard. And going through the process of, Building good communication is such a daunting process. It takes vulnerability. That's where we get rooted in our identity in Christ and out of the kingdom of God that I'm already valuable. I'm already validated. I'm already righteous in Christ. So I can go ahead and risk speaking the truth in love and having this communication because I don't have to be right in order for me to uh, hear your side and say my side. Right. And, you know, once we're receiving that love and value from God, then we're able to really open up. Right. So there's kind of a parallel process as the more that you're living at loved from God, the more powerful you are in, in being able to like to risk communication. Another way to put that though, is the more that you work on yourself, right. And owning your own issues with communication, owning your own dysfunction, going through and saying, okay, where, where have I messed up? Where did I go wrong? The more that you do that, the better you're going to be equipped to have healthier communication with your loved ones. Right, right. And going through that process of saying, you know, what's my belief? What's my part? How can I own my part? Even if they don't, a lot of people are like, oh, my mom would tell me, like my dad and my mom were divorced at a pretty early age, but she would say, this is how they would make up. Well, I'm sorry if you're sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry for my part if you're sorry for your part. Okay, I'm sorry for my part. That that was it. They never talked it out. And, and, you know, that was just like. And I think that once you start taking accountability and you are vulnerable, people are going to notice a change in you. Yes. Like people are going to see like, whoa, something is different. Like your relationships will change. Well, and it was dramatic. I mean, I, I, I remember there being a dramatic change in like where I would tell you no you know, and you would be like, okay, mom. And I'd be like, what? And I'm sure you remember, maybe, do you have any memories of when I stopped pacifying? Yeah. And you know, that's a little bit harder because, um, when you stop pacifying, you're going to get a lot of pushback, right? Do you remember when I would say to you, I don't want to? Yeah. And how shocking that was. So like, if we would say, oh, can you, uh, take me to a friend's house? I want to go over there right now. Yeah. And I would kind of go, I don't want to, I'm, I'm busy right now. You know, you have to let me have advance notice or, you know, right. maybe in two hours when I get finished with what I'm doing. Right. You know, when- and, and seeing that mom is a person who has her own wants and agenda was like shocking because as a pacifier, you would very quickly drop everything in order to give us what we want so that there wouldn't be any sort of conflict. 
Right. And so just being honest about like what you want, if you're a pacifier, that's a, like, I remember asking a lady, like, um, she was talking about having a family conflict with um, feeling discounted. And I said, so if you guys go out to pizza, uh, where would you sit if you're with your whole family? She goes, well, I'd probably be at the end table with all the kids. And I'm like, well, what would happen if you just sat in the middle with everybody and you told them what kind of pizza you wanted? She She goes, just kind of looked at me with her eyes open. I go, so what kind of pizza do you want? She goes, I don't care what, whatever they want. I said, no, if you were ordering and you were going to order pizza by yourself, you would have a kind, right? And she says, okay, maybe it would be pepperoni and olives. I said, what would happen if you sat in the middle of the table with your whole family and said, I don't care what kind of pizza you all get as long as there's one that has pepperoni and olives. And her looking at me like that would be impossible. But I mean, owning our wants as, pass- as pacifiers is part of healthy communication because we just have to not just say what we don't want, but we also have to start owning what we want. Right. And, you know, being able to verbalize your needs. And so you, for you, you would say as a blamer, maybe taking that inventory of your part. And as a pacifier, I would start to say to start to be honest about what you want to tell the truth about what you want and what's really going on in relationships rather than just making everybody happy and what you don't want would be a tool. So, yeah, so we have the tool for a blamer could be to take an inventory and to sit down and say, okay, what is my part and taking ownership for your part rather than looking for other people's parts A tool for a pacifier would be to start naming what you want out of your relationships and, being vocal about your needs and what you don't want and having an opinion other than just making everybody happy. Right. Another tool that can fit anybody with any of these communication beliefs is to stop and think that if you're going to either react or respond, do you want to go into what react and respond is? Yeah. React is where you just go off immediately with no thought and reply to a situation. So, you know, a reaction would be you cut me off in traffic, traffic, I flip you off. That's my reaction. Just instantaneous, no thought. You know, the other day somebody was tailgating me and I just went slower and slower and slower until we're going like 15. And then I'm like, you're going to get yourself shot because you are reacting instead of responding. And responding is different. Tell them what responding is. Yeah. So responding is actually a thought behind your reaction. So rather than just going off, you are taking time. You may even need to separate and come back in order to respond effectively, but you have a second to compose your thoughts. Yeah. And I think that you even saying to the person, you know what, I'm going to need a minute. I don't want to say anything to you as in communication that I'm going to regret and have to apologize for. So I need a moment to just gather my thoughts and I'm going to come back to this in a few minutes. Right. So that's powerful because most of the time when we get into trouble in our families where we're having to say big sorries is when we react that our emotions, they, they hit that button and we trigger in our emotional reaction is, you know, where we get angry and we sin, you know, the Bible says be angry, but do not sin. So knowing, Ooh, I, I need to have a moment and being able to say what you need. I need a moment and separate is important. Yeah. So if any of these resonated with you, then tune in next week because next week we're going to be discussing communication Patterns. Yeah. Patterns, behaviors, choices, things that we actually do as a result of our beliefs. How does it actually look in action when you're a pacifier or a blamer or logical?
Thank you for listening to Families Matter Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast and join us each week as we learn how to talk about hard things without ending family relationships. If you connected with our discussion, you can dive deeper into today's concepts on our website, familiesmatterworkshop.com. Here you will find additional instructions and materials to help you implement and process the tools needed to help heal your family. You can also find Dr. Turner's two books, Beloved from the Start and Families Matter, You Matter. These are available on Amazon. Do you have a relationship issue that seems impossible? We want to hear from you. Email us at familiesmatterworkshop at gmail.com or visit our website, www.familiesmatterworkshop.com. Anonymity will be protected. And remember, all it takes is for one family member to choose healthy change in order to improve family dynamics. Thanks for listening. <laughs>